KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. The podcast serial has been incredibly popular for some time, especially its first season, which came out back in 2014. And the focus of that season, the conviction of Adnan Syed for the murder of Hey Min Lee, was thrust back into the spotlight when Syed's murder conviction was vacated and he walked out of prison. Now, the podcast raised a lot of questions about the case, and the attention from the podcast obviously helped lead to this outcome. We wanted to dig into serial's impact and what it has done for the ever-getting-more-popular popular genre of true crime. So we caught up with Dr. Bess Rowan. She is an assistant professor of theater at Villanova University and a true crime aficionado. For people that aren't familiar, and I know the podcast, especially that first season, was incredibly popular, but for people that aren't familiar that are listening to this podcast, tell us a little bit about Serial, specifically that first season that was released back in 2014. Sure. So Serial was what everyone kind of points to as the first moment of true crime taking over the podcast sphere. So it originally was a part, it was a shorter segment on This American Life, which is a very popular long form storytelling podcast. And uh, Sarah Koenig is a reporter for them. So she found this case, someone had brought it to her, a woman named Rabia Chowdhury, And she had decided that this was something that she needed a little bit more time to do. So Serial is a limited uh, long form series. Each episode concentrates on a different part of this case. The case being the murder of Heyman Lee, who was a senior in high school in Baltimore County. She was murdered in 1999. And uh, there is a man at the time, a young man uh, who was convicted of her murder. His name was Adnan Syed. So Sarah Koenig really told the story of this case in a very interesting way. Obviously, as we know, true crime interest in murder and different kinds of crime has been around for a long time. But what Serial did was really lay it out as chapters in a book almost. It sounded almost like an audiobook. She begins by saying, imagine what, you're, what you were doing six weeks ago. So this day, six weeks ago, Think about everything you did, everyone you talked to, everything you did. And that's because between the time that Heyman Lee disappeared and the time her body was found, it was six weeks. So when they were interviewing people, it had been that that long uh, since they actually had remembered, you know, the original events of that day. And from that moment on, what she concentrates on really is the circumstance of the case as much as the facts of the case. And I think that that's really important because that is something that storytelling aspect of true crime is really something that continues into the podcast world today. But what's also interesting about it is she did not come down on one side or the other of the case. She kept herself kind of vocally, not neutral, but ambivalent. Every time she got a new piece of information, she would say, okay, well, this can either point to his innocence Or I can also see how it could work over here to make you think he might be guilty. And at the end, she does not say, I do not think that he did it. She says, sometimes I think he did it. Sometimes I think he didn't. That phenomenon really gave, I think, people a really good chance to insert their own perspective and their own understanding into the case. 
And that podcast has been downloaded over 300 million times. Uh, it is to this day, the most popular true crime podcast. I listened to it several times, uh, but it also spawned a bunch of other podcasts that are important here. So the first is Undisclosed, which is actually Rabia Chowdhury's podcast with two other lawyers. She's the one that brought the case to Sarah Koenig to begin with. And um, she continued after Serial was finished to kind of really lay out the legal aspects of things and talk about some stuff that there wasn't time to include in the original Serial. Um, there's also Truth and Justice by Bob Ruff, which at the time was called Serial Dynasty before they were told they couldn't use the word Serial in their title. Uh, and those podcasts also created this idea of people with different kinds of expertise weighing in on a true crime case that everyone was familiar with. So all of that together means that Serial has not just an individual impact, but a web of podcasts that create this really important infrastructure into how we discuss true crime in the podcast sphere. And of course, nobody knew very much about this case really outside of the Baltimore County area until this happened. So the, the fact that there's an HBO documentary series, um, The People versus Adnan Syed that came out a few years ago, the fact that he originally got a chance for a new trial, even though that didn't end up happening, this all came out of the attention people paid to that podcast and the podcasts that responded to that podcast. So as we're talking about this recently, Syed's conviction was vacated. We've all seen the footage of him walking out of out of jail, and this kind of brought the the impact that Serial had back to the forefront. And regardless of how much credit you want to give Serial and its offshoots for the nuts and bolts, what they uncovered, what they presented, the attention that this podcast shown on this case is a big reason why we got to where Syed walks out of jail. A hundred percent. I don't think you can make any other argument because there are podcasts entirely devoted to wrongful convictions or attempted wrongful convictions. Uh, Maggie Freeling just won a Pulitzer Prize for her coverage and her podcast about wrongful convictions, particularly for an episode where she has to deal with the fact that someone that she's been investigating this entire time might actually not be wrongfully convicted. And she finds that out in real time on the podcast. It's very interesting journalism, but yeah, it's, it's important to remember that Serial didn't solve this case, right? This case is not solved. This case has actually just been unsolved in certain ways. Uh, whether or not you believe in Adnan's innocence or guilt, his trial was not done properly. And so we have to either retry him or go after the people who actually probably committed this murder. So Serial really showed that putting the spotlight on a case can get audience members of all different walks of life, of all different professions involved in putting pressure on a government, on um, a police force to really take another look at this case, because there is no particular reason that they would have done this themselves, I think. And, you know, it's also not the first time that nothing has happened in a case for a very long time until a podcast has happened. The other very famous example of this is Payne Lindsay's podcast, Up and Vanished, which people sometimes give credit as solving for solving the Tara Grinstead murder. 
Uh, it did not. Never, never on the podcast did it kind of come up with new evidence that nobody had seen before that actually led to the uh, eventual arrest of two people for Tyra Grinstead's murder. What it did do was shake the trees. And all of a sudden, people were talking about these things in town locally, and they hadn't talked about them maybe for a while. And suddenly, it became very obvious that people knew who had did who had done this, supposedly. It was just a question of getting enough evidence. There is another case that actually recently the podcast generated some new interest in pursuing evidence to arrest a gentleman named Paul Flores, who was the last person who was seen with this student, Kristen Smart. Uh, the podcast that talked about that is called Your Own Backyard, and they generated a huge amount of interest that led to new searches of the suspect's house and his parents' house, and they actually took, they arrested those people and they're taking them to trial. So there are at least three, including Serial, where the podcast has generated interest and a kind of fire underneath people to get going on these older cases. So I'm curious what you think. This is obviously an impact. If a wrong has been done, it is obviously very good to shine a light on that, get more information out. But I would guess there's also kind of a boomerang effect to this that people start seeing problems, start seeing conspiracies, and that conspiracy theories is a whole different podcast discussion we could have one day. But everything is suspect. Is there a possibility that for every good podcast that goes in good faith and, and really investigates and does the work, we get 10 of people that are just trolling Twitter or just throwing opinions around or not understanding how the processes work and it just clouds things, making it worse for everybody? To put it briefly, yes, <laughs> 100%. I think that there are obviously um, people are quick to point to this, these positive examples. And I think because these positive examples are really impressive, but there are three of them that I could think of off, of off the top of my head. And there are tons of negative examples and the negative examples I can think of are really the ones that a are focused on trying to spend a lot of time uh, exonerating people who probably have already had a lot of resources put to their exoneration. Um, so it's not necessarily new or, in my opinion, the best use of our resources for people who truly wouldn't have other options. Honestly, for me, people can disagree with me, but for me, Stephen Avery is one of those, you know, making a murderer, impressively big series, came back for a second part of the series when meanwhile, you know, there are murdered and missing indigenous women all over the place who don't have 12 part series on Netflix. There are other groups of people who really are being erased and forgotten about. Uh, and that's not to say that I don't think that there are other people who have been wrongfully convicted who deserve the time and energy, but there are also victims out there that we haven't found and that we're not looking for. Uh, and that to me is, is a big problem. The other thing is, I think that people are so hungry for true crime content sometimes that they do want to create true crime scenarios out of things that are just unfortunate accidents or worse than that, that are, you know, accidents caused by mental health issues that are happening. And instead of talking about those crucial issues that are not discussed nearly enough in our culture, 
people will go into a like, who murdered this person? The one I am thinking of is the Elisa Lam case. Uh, there is a documentary on uh, Netflix about the Cecil Hotel that um, goes into her, you know, what I think honestly was an unfortunate accidental death that was a result of a mental health episode. And people want to put all sorts of other things in it. And they want to, you know, anything from someone murdered her to something supernatural happened instead of dealing with the reality that this is actually a great opportunity for us to talk about the challenges of being bipolar and of having to deal with particular mental health crises by yourself while you're traveling. So why use true crime resources to create a crime uh, when there are so many people who already are victims of crime that we could be talking about? And that's, that's I think, the problem Uh, The other problem there, of course, is that, and this exists for serial as well, is that when you deal with the death of a victim, you also have to deal with the fact that they can no longer speak for themselves. So then you have to talk about, okay, what is the ethical responsibility of talking to the family? If you didn't know that person in in life, and even if you did, what right do we have? You know, we want to focus on the victim, but where are the boundaries there? What's good taste and what is, you know, voyeurism there? And uh, this is something that got leveled at Serial pretty quickly was, you know, we're not talking very much about Heyman Lee. We're talking a lot about Adnan Syed, who, if wrongfully convicted, that, that is another victim, a secondary victim in this story. But we are still missing the primary victim because uh, her family did not want to be involved, which is their right. So then do we still tell that story? Do we still tell it for someone else instead of with someone else? I actually don't think, for example, that Heyman Lee's family has ever financially benefited off of any of this programming or, you know, intense interest in this case. And uh, that is a problem, is that the, the podcasters tend to be the ones getting money off of that instead of that money going to a victim's family. There are exceptions to that, of course, but... That's another thing that I think ethically approaches the the issues that people want to point to about the negative sides of true crime podcasting and storytelling. Yeah, specifically in this case with the serial podcast, if he's wrongly convicted, then you're you're writing a wrong. But regardless of how it plays out from that side, you kind of point this out. All the focus is on that. Here's a family who still lost a loved one. That's not changing. And I think too many people start to look at this as kind of an intellectual exercise and a cool puzzle to put together without thinking about the idea that a grieving family feels like maybe she died again. They're reliving this. And she never gets to rest. Yeah. And I don't know, is that worth it to right a wrong? I don't know. Like I don't, but I, th- I think that's a part that uh, we all kind of blow past in wanting the, the excitement of the true crime. A hundred percent. And, and it's, it's so important to me when I, you know, as someone who consumes a lot of true crime media and I focused on this when I taught my gender performance in true crime class, you have to remember that the victim is a person. We have to talk about person centric true crime, right? Like it's not just, you know, a whodunit that happened on TV and, you know, great, the actor's going to stand up at the end of that scene. And we just get to focus on the facts of the case. Someone's life is part of the facts of the case. And um, I think 
the goal with true crime is always a question for people. Like, why do we listen to these stories? What are we doing here? So here, I think part of the goal, if you look at it as, okay, this is a wrongful conviction, part of the goal is to get Adnan released and get a rightful conviction. So the point of re-looking at it is to say, okay, what can we learn from the mistakes that were made here? At that point, unfortunately, it needs to be a combination of making sure that we are honoring Heyman Lee as a person and being factual about what happened to her and also acknowledging that that doesn't help her. It can only help the next person. It can only help the next case. And that's a really hard jump to make because, yeah, what does that do? I mean, does that give her family closure? I don't know. I mean, a lot of families of victims say closure is not really a thing that happens. How could it be? It doesn't bring someone back. And I think that, yeah, as you said, I mean, the idea that this keeps coming back and it doesn't end, you know, we think of a murder as final. It isn't. There's a case, there's a court case. So then the court case happens. He's sentenced. Years later, serial happens. There's a lot of focus on this. It kind of goes away for a while. Adnan gets a new trial. That kind of goes away. That's a, right around the same time that HBO creates the mini series. That's a few years ago. So nothing comes of that. And he actually, at that point, he had exhausted every legal possibility of an appeal. He was done. So the family probably thought this is truly the end. And then this comes out of nowhere after this case where you can, after this new law rather, where you can reapply to have your case examined uh, if you were sentenced before, while you were still a minor before you turned 18. So this really came out of left field and I can't even imagine what her family must be feeling because again, regardless of if you think Adnan did it or not, there's no winning for them here. It's just constant reminders of the worst moment of their life. They really need to do a better job of figuring out how they can help the family in this situation, whether that's saying, okay, we understand you don't want to talk about this and we should not force you, but do you want to create, you know, some sort of a trust? She loved field hockey. Maybe we want to sponsor someone, you know, create some sort of charity situation um, in addition to stuff the family's already done. So I think that that's, that's a really important aspect of true crime, the human aspect of true crime. We cannot forget that in the situation. We need to take a break. We will have more with Villanova University's Dr. Bess Rowan right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. A Philadelphia dentist today was sentenced to 22 years in prison and fined $100,000. This was just unbelievable. You got to understand the genius in Larry. Nobody was doing coke at this point. No one could believe that this highly educated, young, handsome man was this kingpin drug dealer. This is Wolves Among Us, the Larry Lavin story. A documentary podcast from C13 Originals, a Cadence 13 studio. Listen now on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back continuing our conversation on KYW News Radio In-Depth with Villanova University's Dr. Bess Rowan. Specifically with the wrongful conviction, which is so popular, I kind of feel like, and this is just an observation from the things I've watched and listened to, that there is almost a knee-jerk in a lot of cases that a wrong has been done. And you mentioned earlier, you know, like, good faith error, stuff like that. Not everything is this uh, this grand, mysterious case that people want to make it out to be. 
A hundred percent. And I actually, I do want to give serial credit for that, that in Sarah Koenig's storytelling, she really talks about the fact that she is trying to reconstruct the case from the facts. So she's not going in assuming that he's been wrongfully convicted. What she is going in saying is, I don't understand the evidence here. And that's very true in that case. I, I will say that. I think that the evidence she points out at one point in serial, she asks someone like, am I wrong or is it normally a lot more clear cut than this? And this retired detective is like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, most of the time murders are not mysterious. It's super clear who killed someone. I think that it's it's interesting to know the point of view of the true crime media that you're consuming, right? So the difference between undisclosed and serial is that serial is more um, ambivalent, more neutral. Rabia goes in and undisclosed, obviously, she's a friend of the family, saying he is wrongly convicted. Here is the case. Here are the problems with the case. And I think all of those approaches are fair. You just have to know what that person's bias is. You know, we, we all have bias towards certain kinds of circumstances and against others. And it's okay as long as we're aware of what that bias is so that you can consume multiple viewpoints, right? It's a really interesting part of the true crime world that is more goal-centric than the average true crime storytelling. The average true crime storytelling is like, here's the puzzle, here are the pieces, either help us solve it, it's not solved, or here's exactly what happened, here's the person that did it. And this is like for the purpose of getting this person out of jail. So those are three different tracks through why you're telling this story again about someone's loved one who died. You know, what is, what is your goal here? The wrongful conviction ones have the clearest goal out of any of those. You know, second only, I think, to the ones who are like, please, we're retelling this story because we don't have an answer and maybe you can solve a mystery. It's the unsolved mysteries tagline, right? Like maybe you too can solve a mystery. So yeah, I, I think that that's, that is a particular part of the true crime genre that is super specific. Final question for you. And I think I know the answer. It feels like the appetite for true crime in the U.S. is insatiable. Will this wave ever crest or do you think it will just go into whatever the next big media thing and whatever the next big case do you think it will just continue to grow because there's there are so many avenues to to go down and like i said it does not appear that people want any less of this that's such a good question i i do find myself struggling to find good content i think there is a lot of content i don't think it's all good and I mean that both ethically good and actually, you know, in terms of production quality and storytelling, good, like easy to listen to. I do think that this wave will continue at least for a while. My hope is that it expands to the kinds of stories that we clearly see are not being covered to the same degree. Serial is a very interesting first case uh, because it is dealing with a non-white victim, an Asian-American woman, victim, young woman, and a Pakistani Muslim apparent suspect. Uh, so we are dealing with non-white people as both victim and perpetrator. That is unusual in true crime, particularly to have a non-white victim. And I would love to see that continue to be a trend, but 
as we saw from serial, that didn't make the trend. Like the trend immediately turns to missing white woman syndrome shortly thereafter. And of course, there are white women victims as well, but there are tons of other kinds of victims. We don't get a lot of cases of male victims. And that is, I think, another place where this wave of true crime needs to understand that the true crime content cannot just be a repetition of the last famous thing. It has to keep changing and evolving to tell new kinds of stories because that is actually the way that we make it useful still. I think the most interesting example recently is the Black and Missing series that was on that's on HBO. And that follows a particular set of women who are investigating cases of missing Black women only. And that's a whole series. But that is like really one of very few examples of people specifically focusing on women of color in this genre. And that's really pathetic that with all of this all of this bloat really to this, to this part of the genre, we still are not seeing that to a, to a big extent. So that's my guess is that we need to expand a lot more the topics until, until people are tired of, of this genre, which I don't think is going to happen anytime soon. Let's just hope that it's used for good. That's, that's kind of the, I think the takeaway here. So let's do it ethically and let's try to support the victims if they're alive and the families of the victims if they're not. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.